name is Nick. And I'm Damien. And you're listening to the EQIQ Podcast. This is where the independent scientists and biotech entrepreneur come to find new paths to success. Join us as we discuss strategies to launch your vision, grow your team's potential, and uncover hacks to push your career well beyond what you thought possible. And we're back. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome back to the EQ IQ podcast. I'm Damien and my co-host here. What is up? And the man steering this ship, making sure we don't go off the edge of this earth. In the background is Pablo. Ahoy, matey. <laughs> Flat earth on a science <laughs> podcast. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That is not I'll, today's that'll topic. That'll get some attention. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, it's so funny because have you guys seen the previews to the movie Avatar 2? It's actually amazing because they just capture all of this beautiful like scenery of their planet. And they actually do a lot of science behind trying to figure out how to best represent it. It's actually pretty interesting. Have you seen the previews, guys? I have not. No. I have not. I've been busy working on a company. (laughs) (laughs) But you remember the old Avatar? The original was amazing. Yeah, so good. Yeah. I think the one thing that was pretty cool is just how they're able to use their technology to kind of like experience it through a different lens. I thought that was pretty amazing. And you know what? I think this can probably spin into our topic today. Well, because they did have to make up a bunch of new tech, right? That's why it took so long. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. like, someone had a vision there. And that, in essence, is I give James Cameron a big, huge credit for being able to have a vision and to know what to develop and how to, like, make that happen. In all honesty, I think the, the movie Avatar, or just the word Avatar, is a good thing that we can talk about today. We use, quote, avatars quite a bit within what we do for our work and our clients and trying to envision not just the work that we do, but, like, who we want to work with. Yeah, and we're not talking about the little blue guys either. Or I guess big blue guys in this case. Yeah. Smurfs. You know, we use Avatar specifically when we're talking about recruitment. However, this tool of, of some people call it the vision, you know, envisioning the future or, or seeing what's going to happen. It's the exact same thing, uh, but it takes different forms depending on what you're talking about. So a lot of times when we're projecting into the future, you know, we're not going to ask you like, what is your future avatar? We ask you more about what is the legacy that you want to leave behind, right? What is that vision? What does that look like? When we're talking about recruitment and when we're talking about the present or when we're talking about collaborations with someone, we talk a lot about alignment, which is very much the same tool or the same mechanisms that we use in order to envision what it is you want or more importantly, uh, what it is you want to feel and do in that relationship or in in that moment, in that instance. I kind of want to go a little bit deeper just to help the audience understand what we mean in and around the concept of an avatar, because it's important that we get on the same definition. And I pull from the Merriam-Webster, the concept of an avatar, as we describe it, as an embodiment of a concept or philosophy, often within a person. And that's the part where we pull apart, is that even in the movie, they talk about like just kind of embodying the, the essence of who that individual is. And that part helps us to say we have an, a 
a concept in our mind about a specific individual and what does that individual represent. And so we have a certain level of characteristics within that person. And so let's take the definition uh, of this avatar as we'd use for job description. We have a job description we want to develop, but we want we it's based upon a specific type of employee that we want to hire. Most often people just take the characteristics and then just say like, this is the list of skills, this is the list of stuff that this person is, but it doesn't actually talk about the essence of the person that we want to work with. Most often those are based in feelings, how you feel about an individual. And so one of the things we do when we talk about with our, our clients is that they can't quite describe what it feels like when they're in a good working relationship mm. with somebody till we get them to talk about how it feels to work with somebody. Most often we get people that says that say things like, you know what, this person just makes my life easier. You know what, I know I can count on this individual. Or, you know what, this person feels like I, they just know what I'm thinking and it makes things go seamlessly. On the surface, there's no actual skill set in and around that that we can see, but it's based upon their feelings their aspects of how they view this certain individual. We get them to tease that out a little bit more by asking them, what is it they, they physically do to help make their life easy? And so we'll take that same example about uh, somebody helping to make their work easier. Well, they make my life easier because sometimes they have their meeting notes already all prepared and their meeting notes just already have all of the agenda items and i really like that because i don't have to think about it i'm like there you go you have the first skill set that will define those characteristics job description one ability to have organized notes and list of agenda meeting items when we get people to understand the actions and behaviors that people express at any given point in time, we can then latch that emotion to their experiential behaviors. And I don't think people realize already we just have biases all over the place. I know this can tend to be a little bit controversial because there's so many anti-bias this or anti-bias that, when in reality, this is just human nature. We are going to biases. If we're not aware of our biases, we are just default to some of these fear-based biases. And so what Nick and I try to do is help people to bias towards something that actually feels right and things that are actually genuinely related to the position and job. And so we help them to say, let's build an avatar, that most ideal candidate, the most ideal person. And once we get them to construct that, they can't help but to like, find candidates just like that. And so we get responses like, oh my God, what a miracle to find this one person. I can't believe uh, it just feels like this person magically came across. We had a client. She was like amazed that like, oh my God, I, I couldn't believe why I got this the person that I wanted. It feels like I didn't do any work. Then we reminded her, no, you constructed the avatar. You screened through a hundred applicants. You interviewed some of the most specific people. And of course you're going to get this. Because you knew what you wanted. Right. And I think that's what an avatar does. Well, for and us. that's just the label that we're using, right? Mm -hmm. What the avatar is identifying for us is that ideal condition. And ideal condition. more importantly, what that label is doing is giving us the ability to succinctly identify what that ideal situation is. And then the magic of just the human brain, once you see it, then you 
start recognizing it. Mm -hmm. That is the real power of starting out by creating this avatar, which if you want to get a more detailed explanation about you know, avatars and, and how to create those specifically for job descriptions. Uh, we actually did a whole episode on this on recruitment. I believe it's episode seven, Bad Lab Employees. And so you can go specifically in there and, and we go in a little bit more granular detail and, and have some action items in there for you to create your own. But I think this can be really interesting when it comes to networking or collaborators. I mean, we have a lot of of our clients that we're suggesting to them to go out to events. You know, eventually you get to the point in your career where things are set up, but then what then, right? Where where do you go? And then you have to start growing that network of colleagues, growing that network of, of peers. And so when it comes to alignment with those individuals, can you get into what what that looks like and what are the questions that we're asking ourselves. That's actually a good point to bring up because I definitely go in much more depth and detail with clients when it comes to networking because a lot of our clients tend to be network phobic. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so they're a little bit more on the anti-social sides of things. And they don't really like meeting people. And I kind of help them to reframe their perception about what a networking event is all about. It's much less just to casually meet people, but more about meeting people that align with what you want and desire. And I think part of this helps people to say, all right, then what do I want and desire? And so particularly, it's about your science. It's about the work that you're passionate about. And then speak through that lens mm -hmm. and talk about the work that you enjoy. And so one of the things we kind of help them to construct is the most ideal networking person that you're like. And so I always start with, have them start with, what was the last time you worked with somebody who worked on the same project and you kind of like felt like it was a good relationship and you just really enjoyed that. And so I have them just to do the same thing, to describe what it was about that relationship that felt good. And then they were like, well, they would come up with some of those unique ideas and they would add or even challenge me on some of those ideas and then question in and around that. Once they've nailed down those key attributes, I ask them who of your current people that you do know also think in that same manner. And invariably, they, t especially if they've been in this career for some time, they're all like, all right, there's maybe three or four people. Then I ask them, are they attending these networking events? If they're not, would you mind inviting them to these networking mm -hmm. events? Because this way allows them to start to create a snowball effect, meeting and connecting with like-minded individuals. Right. And so then now they have already a construct of a specific networking person, and it just is the first few steps. Invariably, like that, we had one client that we just took him through that same mm -hmm. thing. And he was like, oh, my God, I couldn't help. But like this person then introduced me to this yeah. person that introduced me to this person. <laughs> the domino and now effect. I have so many people that I can talk to. Yeah. And then he's like, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I actually like this networking event. <laughs> yeah. And most of the time it's, it's just reframing that. But I, I just want to highlight that tip that you just dropped there, which actually never really occurred to me, which was. If there's someone you want to meet in your industry or in your field to invite them to a networking event that you're going to, you know, we very often like one of the key strategies that we do is if you find someone that 
could potentially fit that that avatar or that alignment ideal that you're looking for and you're going to a conference or sort of a, a larger event oftentimes we suggest that you reach out to them beforehand set up a meeting you know whether it's 30 minutes or an hour you know whatever you're comfortable with but i i never occurred to me that you don't necessarily need to restrain yourself to these large official events. Uh, it can be something much smaller, much more local. Um, I feel like there's a beer group for everything now. So, I mean, even if you don't drink beer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a client a few years back that they started a cookie club. And so it was just a bunch of people that like really love baking mm-hmm. and they talked baking and biology. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought that was pretty amazing. So because it was a dry campus and mm. stuff, nobody drank as well, but they still wanted something social right. to make things lighthearted. And I think that allows people to genuinely start to meet and connect with other like-minded individuals. And it doesn't have to be this hyper, like, overanalyzed, is, am I saying the right thing? Am I saying the wrong thing? And like, am I, like, that's what stumps a lot of the people up when they connect with other people or try to force a relationship. Definitely. For those of you who don't know us, if you haven't noticed, Damien is the very social one of, of the duo. And I, I tend to be a little <laughs> bit more uh, of the back office process driven <laughs> lists. And so, you know, inevitably, you know, just being uh, a startup ourselves, we are doing a lot of these networking events that we need to go to. And for me, I do not like doing useless conversations or what I would label as useless. (laughs) (laughs) And so I use this technique that we teach um, our clients and really we teach everyone who's interested really do use it in real life because it does help reframe the event itself for it to not be so, I, I guess, intimidating but also it, it does reframe things that, so that I can go into these conversations and really quickly identify, okay, this is someone I want to keep talking to, or this is just a connection that I want to have. And hopefully, you know, not too often, just this is a conversation I'd like to end and move on. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, Nick actually gives me a little bit uh, too much credit for the social side of things. I always tell people, like, I'm social for a scientist. <laughs> <laughs> well, in our circles, you're a so, butterfly. So, <laughs> <laughs> if you actually go to a sales or marketing and networking event, <laughs> it's uh, if you are an introvert. Be prepared mm-hmm. to like take a few times to yourself to re-energize because it's a high energy. Right. But in any case, I think one of the things we try to get people to do is try to think about exactly who you are and how you feel. This is a nice segue into the other kind of avatar type of personality we talk about for our clients. Your trainees, the people that are working with you or working for you or those that are actually going to be where you want or how you want the company or lab or research group to be because part of this is understanding a different avatar, which is your own avatar, Mm -hmm. which we call the legacy. Your legacy is basically extensions of who you are. And most people that want to work with you as a leader, they come to you because you have certain attributes or qualities that they see themselves within you or want to work with you. It's up to you to decide what is this going to mean for your own career, what it's going to mean for your where you want to be, because then you can help people to see this vision of where your, quote, legacy starts to go. 
the success of your people, the success of your team, the success of your own customers or clients, whoever you're thinking about, are just extensions of this, what we deem your legacy. Just another form of an avatar type of trait, but this is more into the future. And so this is much longer, five years, 10 years down the line, 15 years down the line. I don't think a lot of young leaders think about their legacy. And if, if you don't think about your legacy, your legacy then becomes your reputation mm. and what you're known for. If you're not aware of that or aware of be more focused on developing that, you're going to have it put upon you by the rest of the, the field, the community and those around you within the in the business world. And that's not necessarily what some people want. Right. To. It's, it's a much more difficult position to navigate if it's put upon you rather than you having guided it to a certain extent, we'll call it, uh, in the direction that you want. Legacy can be a very lofty idea, but to start thinking about your reputation, but a little bit more actionable. And this is kind of one of my favorite questions because inevitably with all the projections and things that I tend to do with the clients on, on my end, uh, we do get into legacy a lot. And if you ask someone like, what do you want your legacy to be? You know, you're going to get flatline, like no response. Nobody immediately knows how to answer that. What we do know how to answer though is how do you want others to talk about you? And then you can run the list of in five, 10 years from now, when you have someone who's passed through your company or passed through your group, how are they going to talk about you to their new colleagues? And that's where you can start. Then you get the ball rolling. And I think with this one, once the ball's rolling, then the rest kind of comes very naturally. Yeah, that's actually a good point. One of the good uh, practices and exercises we can take uh, clients through and then help them to journey through that exploratory part of their future legacy and asking those questions. Another exercise or practice that we take them through this coaching process is sometimes they don't quite know, but they can identify it in other people and other leaders. And so another practice I take them through is identifying leaders that they themselves admire and that they look up to and observe not just uh, who they are, but their behaviors, their actions. What do they do? How do they present themselves on stage? How do they present themselves in the meeting? Specifically, watch them exactly what they do and then Write those stuff out because then eventually you start to mimic those types of personalities yourself. And then doing that is just as again, why it's so important for what we tell leaders is that you got to model the behavior that you want to see in your team, to see in your people, because people are watching, people are trying to mimic. It's just a natural part of our human evolution, our human biology to mimic those that we seem as a skill or a practice or something advantageous for one's own life and career. And when you sit there and can identify a specific leader, then you can start to emote and also express your own behaviors in that manner. It's as simple as saying, what three top leaders in my industry, in my field, do I like and admire? And then write that stuff down that you see that they do. Write it down to the point to study it. How do you actually then act in those scenarios, in those situations? I can't begin to tell you the power of just writing that stuff down can do like as many times. I can feel, I can feel the next topic coming. And that's, I, was, I tried really hard to skate around this one uh, because I really want to hold this conversation about journaling 
and how to talk to yourself. <laughs> it deserves its own conversation completely. Definitely, because it's it's a hot button topic for us. You know, we try and get each one of our clients to do it. I myself was very resistant to it until it worked one day, and <laughs> and then since then, it's it's been a almost daily occurrence for me. And I know it is for Damien. It's very impressive to see Damien's collection of journal entries, especially now with you know all the different tools that we have. But again, see, I'm getting into it already. So are there any closing remarks as far as the avatar and the alignment or the legacy that you want to just highlight uh, to close out this episode? Well, I think the biggest highlight of this is to understand that there are ideas in one's head, in your own head, of the most ideal future that you want and desire. The challenge is that there is no words for it right now. There's only a sense of a feeling, what feels right. What I try to get people to say is what those words are and put it down on paper so you can actually then move towards it. The challenge is to not be so reactive of the things that you don't want, but to be more reactive to the things you do want. And this is why planning really helps you move towards that future. So planning for the future, not just in the rudimentary writing it down, a checklist of moving towards it, but actually genuinely feeling excited about working the type of people you want to work with, the type of uh, networking connections you want to be part of, and the legacy that you want to be involved with or be at the end of your lifespan is saying that these are the types of people that surround you in your last few days. These are the things that you want to be part of your whole lifespan. And I think that if we don't do that intentionally, it gets done for us. And I think this is the big, huge part about doing these practices and and trying to really be much more intentional around that. So if those words of wisdom resonate with you, if you feel like things are getting a little bit out of control and you want to grab hold of the reins again want to figure out what your legacy is or just need a little bit of help networking, uh, feel free to contact Damien or myself through literally any form of contact. We're on the website, which is experimental-designs.com. Our info is in the podcast uh, on all the streaming services, or you can just reach us on LinkedIn through either the podcast page or experimental designs page directly. Thank you so much for listening. This has been the EQIQ podcast. Is that good? That was pretty good. This was a Raul Maria production.